man, it's me, Kevin Smith. Check out alteredstatecomics.com right now. I will wait. But while I'm waiting, I'm going to also tell you, go check out the Altered State podcast, man. They come straight out of St. Louis, Brandon and John, and they are there for all your pop culture needs. They're very orally accented, is what I'm saying, ladies and dudes. So there you go, man. Alteredstatecomics.com. It's right there in the name. And we're back. That was nice, wasn't it? That was. So on the break, you were chatting. We were chatting. Uh-huh. You, you were chatting. You were just talking to yourself. Um, uh, as I'm as I'm known for doing. It happens occasionally. Um, that you've been on a little bit of a record kick. Dude. And they all seem to be showing up at the same time. I can't. Well, so I'm, I'm always on a record kick. Fair enough. I, I have a problem. If it's uh, like... So the, the majority of my free time, I spend... Going to live shows, going to club shows, usually with Gibson being stupid. Well, obviously in 2020, that just doesn't get to happen. Not so much. So I'm like, I, I then fall into like funneling my fun money that I save for that into the other things that I love, so like yeah. collecting art prints yeah. and collecting records and collecting comics. So I just keep finding shit and I just keep buying it yeah <laughs> it's a problem yeah. it's a hobby it's not a problem it's a hobby a uh, little column a little column b <laughs> but yeah man got uh I, I, I went through discogs and had to we were talking last week when i was over at your place because you've been a vault member longer than i have third man records third, third, yes. third yep. man records vault yep. for for the uninitiated right yeah third man records uh they have a, a subscription service right uh, Which of course get, is Jack White, the White Stripes. Like, yeah, you know that, yeah. So you get four packages a year. Um, I have only been a member for about a year. I got my okay. membership um, last fall, or I guess it would have been the spring before, because it was last fall when the Rack and Tours came to St. Louis. Okay. Um, I became a Vault member strictly for the pre-sale code, so I could get tickets for me and Gibson to go to that show at the pageant. Yeah. Um. So. I've only received five packages, probably five okay. or six. Okay. Um, but you've been a member of the vault for what, four or five years now? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, so whenever we're over at Brandon's house recording, always look through the collection and shit, and there's a killer uh, Jack White acoustic 2015 record. Yeah. Like triple album or something. I mean, like yeah. Three or four. And it was yeah. like, it, it wasn't his acoustic record that was released all over the place. Like, because he, he had his. Right. Like a whole live show. It was like a tour. But it was, it? Yeah, yeah, it was a live yeah. show. Um, is it one show that, or is it a collection of. So it was five shows. Okay. What he did was, uh, it was in support of that acoustic record that he released. Right. Um, but what he did was, uh, instead of a real tour, he only did five shows, but it was one show. Each in the five states that he had yet to perform. That's in. what it was, yeah. yeah. Um, and he only went with an acoustic band, yeah, and, and only like using like old tube mics yes. and shit, yeah. Um, in Jack White weirdo fashion, right? right. But then the smaller theaters too, so it was more, yeah, you know, very very intimate, like eight hundred people type type shows, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, I think the the vinyl I think is the show in Alaska and maybe the show in Montana also. Okay. Um, some combination of the two, but like, I, I had to go on Discogs and find that. Yeah. yeah. 
And then that's one of my go-tos. I mean, anytime I'm like, what do I want to listen to right now? I can put that on and I know I'm happy no matter which side, which record I put on. Golden. Just looking at the track listing here. Yeah. So it was like a perfect career spanning bit of like enough rack and tours, enough white stripes, enough Jack White solo. A dead weather. Uh, and yeah. then you're good. Yeah. Maybe not probably not acoustic. I don't think there was any dead weather on the acoustic album. I don't believe not there that was. I can probably think not on the acoustic, no. Um But yeah, I'm super stoked on that. But what I'm most excited about, weirdly, that cost me the least amount of money, um, being the 30, almost 33-year-old, uh, three weeks from today. Because it's, oh, it's Gibson's birthday. Our birthdays are oh, that's right. three that's weeks right. apart from oh, each other, exactly. So in three weeks, I'll be 33. Um, which will be a Sunday, so we'll Special be recording podcast. on my birthday. That's right. Right. Um, Laws permitting. But, right. Um. So, being the 33-year-old pop-punk kid that I am, mm-hmm. I grew up on drive through records. Yes. Um, like, the 99 to 2005, the only, like, six years that that record label... I mean, that's the record label that gave us NFG, gave us The Starting Line, gave yeah. us Homegrown, gave us Alistair, Phoenix TX, Senses Fail, uh, The Early November. Like, their entire roster was just jamming they released some dashboard stuff they released a little less than jake stuff like they were drive-through was my gateway drug to like everything that i love um my sub pop exactly that's a hundred percent what it was perfect analogy um but i found um a few old drive-through releases on vinyl that i have never been able to find about homegrown's kings of pop Mm -hmm. which is my number one springtime record and has been since it came out in fucking 2002. Right. Like when it is that first really nice day, I will spin that. I will put that on in my car. I'll put that on my phone. I'll put that on my iPod everywhere. I'm at for at least 10 straight days. Yeah. It is the fucking perfect pop punk spring. Like, fuck yeah, let's go. Like such a fun album. So I found that. Uh, Alistair's Last Stop Suburbia with Somewhere Down on Fullerton and fucking Race Cars and Scratch, like awesome record. Uh, Hello Goodbyes, first record. Their little EP that has like Shimmy Shimmy Quarter Turn and uh, uh, Will You Go to Prom with is fucking great. Uh, NFG finally did a very limited reissue of their self titled record on vinyl. Oh, very cool. Um, so I got that because, uh, like, I was on their mailing list. So I have that coming in a couple of weeks. So all my drive through shit's coming back. Nice. And nice. I am just going to spend this winter feeling like a kid. So when you go looking at records or looking for records, do you start with, <clears throat> you know, bands you like? Do you start with uh, albums you like? Do you start with stuff that's not available anywhere else other than vinyl or just what, whatever floats I... your boat that day? It, oftentimes it's like you're more of a connoisseur or just a, you know, I'm looking for I'm, some cool shit. I'm not a connoisseur as much as I, so like I typically, if, if I'm not buying a new record on vinyl, I am typically only buying stuff that I already love okay. that I've owned digitally for 20 years sure. that, you know, that I bought the CD of at Sam Goody in the sixth grade. Right. But now I want it in my record collection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do a lot of that and then 
all of the bands that I love that release new vinyl, I I can't not buy it. Right. Like it's right. a it's a problem. It's sure. impulsive. This is why I have um, Uno Dotre on vinyl. Just right. Because I it's mean, the same thing. Right. I have uh so the Menzingers are one of my all time favorite bands. Um yeah, I have right. every release they've ever done on vinyl. So yeah. like I I fell into them. Do you like do early? You, are you a completionist when it comes to that kind of thing? Like if you have for them, right? I am. That's now. how I am. Like with my Pearl Jam or my Three Eleven. I if I have one or two, I need to seek out the entire collection. I just feel not. I don't have to have it right now. Uh-huh. But if I'm starting to look, I'm looking for that kind of stuff first. Well, that's my my thing with the Menzingers is just like I, I my buddy Mark, who's in the band Typesetter, plug for Typesetter. They're fucking awesome. Go listen to them. Um. My buddy Mark turned me on to them years ago, like right when they released their first EP. Um, and I got it. I got the 45 of their first EP. Mm-hmm. It was when I was in college and I had just started collecting records like in earnest. And it was like four bucks because they were a nobody band, you know, like they right. were they were on Red Scare Records. So it was like four bucks for this EP? Fucking sweet. Okay. So I bought it, loved it. Then their next record came out on Red Scare Bought it. Fucking loved it. Their first four records are four of my favorite records of all time. Like, showed up at the right time. Like, me and Gibson and Fox have road tripped to see him a bunch of times. I've seen them more times. Like, with the exception of NFG, they're probably the second most band I've seen. Last year on Halloween, I went by my fucking self to see them because they were here on Halloween. Um but either so like one of my favorite bands. However, their last couple of records I haven't loved. Sure. Well, that's not true. Like their most recent one, um, Hello Exile, I didn't love. The one before that, After the Party, I loved. The one before that was Rented World, also didn't love. Yeah. But like during quarantine, then they released an acoustic version of their new record that I didn't. Love the original record. Right. But as soon as that got the email, I was like, yeah, of course. Right. Right. Because I, I've already, because I've invested so much time and money yeah. in them over the years. Absolutely. And I already have the whole collection. Right. So it's like now I just need, I, and I bought everything new as it came out. I like literally every, every record they've ever released, I bought on pre-order. With the exception of that first EP. Right. And they're one of those bands that, like, they blew up. They became pretty big. And so then I get, like, the, the real music snob shitty guy. Yeah. And you're like, I, pff, yeah. I was there first. Absolutely. I know what you mean. I saw yeah. them on tiny stages. Fucking A. Right. Right. <laughs> Pinky's yep. out. But, like, typically <laughs> when I'm looking for records, it is um, bands I already love. Or um, sometimes it's like if, if a friend puts me onto a band... I'll listen to one song and I'm like, yeah, I like that. Cool. I'm in like hot Mulligan is a recent band. Right. My buddy Harry put me on early in quarantine and like, he sent me one fucking song on Spotify. And then I was like, yeah, all right, I'm buying that record. Um, but I would say more often than not, it is, if I'm buying a vinyl, it is purchasing a record that I already love that is been in my rotation for a long time digitally but now it's getting released on vinyl or re-released on vinyl or yeah like almost everything in my collection is something that means a lot to me sure sure not just 
of, ah, this isn't just something that I like. Or, you know, I have a few in there that are like, ah, this is whatever. I can throw it on. Right. But I would say of that entire collection over there, 90% of it is records that mean an awful lot to me for a variety of reasons. I've... The problem I'm finding lately, or why I think I've kind of slowed down my collecting, is, like you say, I tend to only buy records of stuff that means something or I have an appreciation for, which doesn't, new stuff doesn't happen that often, you know, you know. Sure. And in the 90s, where most of my musical growing up happened, they didn't make a lot of vinyl. Uh And the vinyl they did is fucking so expensive right now. Sure. So I go to find, oh, I want, I don't know fucking ever clear, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever on vinyl. I already have it. But, <laughs> but, but you know, on, on this blue vinyl that they made, you know, 500 copies over whatever, and it's fucking, you know, 80 bucks. You're like, yeah, it doesn't mean that much to me, but, mm-hmm. you know, but it does. It's weird, yep. you know, like I don't want, I'd rather buy that than 30 bucks for something new that I like a song off of. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, I get that. But then I'm like, do I want to play a lot of it? You know, I I have a decent record player and I have very nice needles. And uh-huh. I'm very specific about the needles. I won't put certain records on shitty record players. I'm uh-huh. I'm a little snobby when it comes to that. <laughs> but only with like the special records sure. or the nicer end records. Yeah. Um you know, if I got something new, I'd I'd throw it on there no problem on any record player, but you know, if it's if I have an original pressing of a Beatles album or something, it's getting the diamond tip needles. It's not getting. <laughs> it's not getting the fold out crossly. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, um, so if that's snobby, then hey, fuck it, I'm snobby. But <laughs> that's why I got good records still. Right. <laughs> yeah, I. A lot of my new record purchases are just bands that I love that are yeah. releasing new shit. Yeah. Like I have almost the entire NFG collection over there. Exactly. And I haven't liked their last two records. Sure. Yep. But like. They're, they're like there. The new new Pearl Jam record, I could really care less for. Uh-huh. But I have every other fucking album. I right. mean, I just got to get it to have it in the collection, right? I mean... So, let me throw this out there. Do you have any, like, Holy Grail records? Like, records that you desperately want that, like, you, that you feel like you need in your collection, but haven't been able to pull the trigger on the financial commitment to them? Um... There's a there's probably a handful. Um, I haven't really thought about it for a while, but I have like my like you said my Discogs uh-huh. account, so I have a wish list in there. Uh-huh. Um, but most of them are, you know, for early early pressings of something that mm-hmm. you just can't find that was never in a store, or it's you know the stuff that was only released on vinyl that's very hard to find, or it's you know the early third man record stuff that I didn't right. get in on that no one's selling because they made a thousand of them. Yeah. You know, and if you find them, it's $800 for the set. And it's you uh-huh. know, one day. Sure. Maybe. Yep. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I want to pull up my account now and look through it. Cause I know there's something in there. I miss, I'm, I'm racking my brain. And I can't think of anything in particular that I'm don't have that I'm dying to have. I know there's, I know there's at least 10 in there that I, yeah. If I walked into a record store and saw it, I'd be like, Oh, Fuck me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate that I'm blanking right now on what that is. I've got two that I that like I want so badly, but I will never have the type of disposable income to be able to spend. Like they're each on Discogs right now. I could get each of them for right around 200 bucks. Okay. 
and there is no record that I will ever spend two hundred dollars for. Okay. Um, because I'll never make that kind of disposable income. Um, but one, the matches, who are like one of my all-time favorite bands, when they got their, they got the rights to their records back, ten years after they were released because they owned all the publishing rights. Um, so they got the rights to their music back from Epitaph. Ten years after the release date. And they'd only released three records. Um, And they were never released on vinyl because they they were a band from like 03 to 07 in that ballpark. Okay. Uh, So so it wasn't vinyl. But as soon as they got their rights back, they, with each of their records, because they were like two years apart, they released a thousand each of their albums. Um. And the first one was like a real low key release, and I missed out on it. Um, Yvonne Dahl killed the locals. Okay, but I got I, like two years later. I was right there for Decomposer, and then two years later, I was right there for Abandoned Hope. So I have their second two records, um, and they all like since they're out of a thousand, they're all like hand numbered, signed by the band. They'll do two discs. So the first disc is the actual record, and the second disc is all of the demos. Um, but I don't have Yvonne Dahl killed the locals and I only press a thousand of them. I can get it for like 195 bucks and I want, and I, and on top of want, I mean, in fairness, I, I love all of their record, like all three of them. Yvonne Dahl is probably my least favorite of the three. Um, I say that with a lot of love cause I seriously love that record but like decomposer is i would put decomposer top five all time records for me like their second one is that i fucking i i think it is the weirdest most perfect punk rock album of all time the way that it played like the opening track is a fucking waltz and they're a punk rock like it's fucking weird right um and then abandoned hope is this really cool marriage of like punk rock and indie rock. And I love those two. And I love Yvonne Dahl, but like if there's only one that I don't have, I'm totally. okay with it being that one. And the other one, do you ever listen to the impossibles? I know the band. Yeah. So the impossibles were an old, uh, fueled by Robin band. Okay. And they only existed from like 97 to 99. Um, and I heard about him years later, Luke Reagan. Uh, it was when I started working at the pizza place, that was a, a record that Luke put the CD that Luke put on all the sure. time. And they released as a CD when they broke up, it's called, uh, it's just anthology and it's like 40 songs and it's all of their work. Right. And it's incredible. Like it is when I, the first time Luke played that CD for me, I was probably 15 or 16 years old and I fell in love with it. And that record was old, like, they were pretty big in Japan. Yeah. So it was pressed to vinyl in Japan. Yep. Um, and I got a couple get like that, that anthology, yeah. Yeah. but again, to get it on Discogs, it's like <clears throat> 200 bucks Yeah, because they only, you know, they pressed it in like 2000 right. in Japan. Right. So I can't imagine there's probably more than 2000 of them. It, right. There's 1500 probably. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, I was going to say, I was trying to pull my account up right then and there, but it's not co- cooperating. But, um, the ones that pop in my head that I got, that I know were on my list for the longest time, but then I ended up getting, you said the Japanese pressing. 
ME330's first album, Press. Oh. I couldn't find To Save My Life anywhere. Japanese pressing. It was only like 1500 I found one. Nice. I scored that. Uh, my other big one, I had, I have, and I had an original pressing of 10, Pearl Jam's first album. Uh-huh. Um, it got a little bit scratched up, so I put it away. I found another one that I could play. So I, that was a, you know... When even flow skips, it just ruins something, man. Yeah. You know, so I put that one away. It's it's hanging on the wall. It's nice wall art, beautiful. It's an original pressing, but I had to get another one just so I could use it. Because you got right. you know, I'm a toy out of the box kind of guy sometimes too, you know. Sure. Um, well, and like, again, you talk about being a, a guy, the 90s were your formative years. Pearl right. Jam was one of you, like. Right. That's well, a record that means more to you. Pearl Jam. That. my It's weird. My first ever record that I Bought myself with Pearl Jam Vitology. I went to Streetside Records, Midnight Releasing. So it's Pearl Jam's third album. Okay. Um, and it was a big gatefold. I never, you know, like, because Pearl Jam started getting big time into vinyl. They really yeah. brought me into vinyl. Because then I'm like, oh, I joined the 10 Club. Started getting a 45 all the time. Well, now I got this. I got to get their first two albums. So then I found 10, still on first edition at Vintage uh-huh. Vinyl. Boom, bought it. So ever since then, I had to buy everything they had. Sure. You know, join their 10 club, just like third man record shit. Got their 45 every Christmas and all that kind of shit. Been doing that for, well, I stopped doing that a while back, but way too long. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I still love that shit. I try to find that kind of stuff Yeah. in record stores, like stuff that was only from collector's editions and stuff like that, that I know there's no way I'm going to find anywhere else. Right. That's like going to, same thing, going to a comic book store and you find... The most random comic book ever in a bin of mm-hmm. you know dollar comics. Like, when you're at the fucking, fucking flea market yes. or something. Yeah, I mean, if I'm out, I have a vinyl pr- pressing of Blink's first EP. They came to conquer Uranus. Um, that I found at the fucking Goodwill on <laughs> Bayless. Nice. When I uh, I worked at the Pizza and Wings on Bayless when I was in high school, and it was in the same plaza as the Goodwill. And like me and Gibson and Fox worked there. And we used to always go to, like, there's a dollar store in there. We'd buy a bunch of bullshit there. And we'd always go to Goodwill. And I, at the time, I wasn't a vinyl collector. I didn't have – well, I always had a record player because my mom always – my mom and dad never put away their record player. So, like, growing up, my mom just always listened to her records that Good. she had when she yeah, was a kid. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I always had access to a record player. And that was the first record record that I actually bought for myself – and I just bought it because I was a Blink fan, and I was like, wait, sure. what? This this exists? Right, right. Um, no, I did buy that 45 of DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince from Venture when I was younger. Right. But the first ever full-on LP I bought uh-huh. was the Pearl Jam Vitology. So I just want to clear it up in case anybody tries to call me out on something down the road. Right. Speaking of which, Netflix reunion, Fresh Prince. See that? Or, no. I mean, uh, HBO Max, they're doing a Fresh Prince reunion. They're not, no I, don't, I don't think they're doing an episode, but it's everybody's coming together and talking about everything. Um, I they're saw trying to bring everything it. back, man. Yeah, I saw a preview for it the other day. Everybody looks happy and having a good time. Carlton's well, doing this. They brought back the mom they fired, even like she really yeah. didn't she have a bunch of beef with Will? I thought there was something going on, but maybe maybe they squashed it. So yeah, maybe when Uncle Phil died, I think it was more with with him. Um, but I think you know. I don't think she's done much since, let's be honest. So yeah. if there's a dollar to be had, let's let's make that dollar. Right. Um, Get that Warner Brothers money. That's right. That's right. So yeah, HBO Max is uh, putting together some nice shit lately. I'm impressed. Good for them. I'm impressed, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've continued <clears throat> to look more and more like, 
didn't mean to cut you off records there. It just popped no, my head. No, I've been having that conversation more and more with Libby. For me, I feel like I need to do either Netflix or HBO Max. Like, I don't I don't care to do both. They're, they're the two you. most expensive. Yeah. And I also think they're the two most niche for me. Like, I only go to Netflix for a couple of things. I would only go to HBO Max for a couple of things. Disney Plus, I fucking love everything. I'm a huge Disney guy, and I'm a huge Star Wars guy, and a huge Marvel guy. Yeah. I watch Disney Plus all the time. Yeah. Peacock, it's like three and a half bucks. Right, right. So, it's like, not... yeah, I only use it for a couple things, yeah. but I don't fucking mind. Right. You know? Like, for me, it's three and a half bucks a month so that I can watch the new SNL the next day. Totally. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. well worth it. I know I'm getting it as part of my package already, but I'm pretty sure you dig HBO Max. There's a lot of good. Well, I feel like I would. I mean, I would watch, I would watch Watchmen once a year, right? If I had it, just those ten episodes. Yeah. Um, I've heard nothing but wonderful shit about Lovecraft Country. I want to haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Um, we were talking. This popped in my head too. So I told you I was watching um Titans. Uh huh. Because it came on on uh, HBO Max. Yeah. Um. And I, I enjoy it. I really do. I don't, it is the best super bu- superhero series ever. No. Uh-huh. But it's pretty fucking casting amazing. Except right Bruce Wayne. And it's, he's in the first season, he's in the peripheral, so you really don't, it's not a big deal. But in the second season, he has a little bit more of a cameo-heavy role. Because it really doesn't, you never see Superman, you never see Wonder Woman, you never see Alfred. All of a sudden, you see Bruce Wayne. And it's... I don't want to say the worst casting of all time because the actor himself is fucking awesome. And I guarantee you, you love the actor. Um, it's the dude. What the hell's his name? He was in. Did you watch Game of Thrones? Yes, I watched yeah. Game of Thrones. I, I'm sorry. You're filling up a drink. My apologies. I'm, I'm shouting from the distance. Um, wondering if it's picking up. Who, who was um, uh, Khaleesi's like, main bodyguard, the older guy who got the scaly thing towards the end? Oh. That's Bruce Wayne. Right? Not good. Not good. For two reasons. He doesn't look or sound the part. And he's supposed to be, in this time frame, um, he's still active with the Justice League. And he's old as fuck. So this is an active Bruce Wayne. They don't show him doing anything active by any means. He's only ever Bruce Wayne. He's never Batman. But he's only ever Bruce Wayne. And he's the skinniest Bruce Wayne you've ever seen in your life. And it's Sir Davos? Yes. Or no, Sir Davos was the Onion Knight. That's right. This was um, I can't think of his name offhand. That's why I was the the like dirt sandy blondish yeah, older guy, guy that was clearly in love with the Khaleesi. Yes, yes, he plays Bruce Wayne in Titans. I don't care for it. How's his American accent? Shitty. It really takes you, it takes you out of everything he's in. Yeah, because really like thinking about him, I'm like I can't imagine a not British accent right there. Right. Yeah, he does not have a good American accent at all. Having said that, the show in and of itself, I think, is a pretty good show. They've done a nice okay. job of the season two ends with him finally becoming Nightwing. Mm. So he's Nightwing. There's, um, uh, what's the second Robin's name? Um, Tim. God damn it. Tim fucking. Yeah, anyways. Jesus Christ. So so there's a second Robin. And we want to own a comic book I know, store. right? It'll pop <laughs> we're, we're, we're drinking. It's not fair. It's not fair. Um, and in fairness, uh, he was a... Jason Todd. He was a Robin so bad that people 
uh, voted to kill him. And they killed him, right. So at this point, I'm sure they're going to kill him. Well, no, Jason point. Todd was the third, wasn't he? No, Jason Todd was the second killed by the Joker in um, um, Death in the Family. Death in the Family? Yeah. Who was Tim? So, there was, there was, he was the third, I think. He was the third. He, someone else. He replaced Jason Todd? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I never read much of those books. Me neither. That like that was in that mid air. Like to me, I, to, to most people, right. Dick Grayson, Dick Grayson right. is is Robin. Right. And then Jason Todd, you always remember just because he became Red Hood. Yeah. And became a much more interesting character. Well, and that's kind of where it looks like, without killing off Jason Todd, they might make him Red Hood, because the other Titans have kind of, you know, he's always been a dick. Yeah. Jason Todd was just a dick guy. He's just yeah. a young dick kid. Um, so he's kind of on the outskirts with all of them. Doesn't, you know, follow the rules and all that kind of shit. Um, so they may convert him into a red hood without having the Joker kill him. Okay. So, um, you've seen in a couple cool, like, um, Dick Grayson gets poison scenes. Um, you know, he's going through different memories in his head. So there's like a, you don't ever see the huge villains, but you see either shadows or, like there's a um, scene with Joker face first, like after falling off a building, in hood and hooked in a car. You know what I mean? Like, oh. but you just see the back of his suit and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. um, you know, you see the coin for um, Two Face, Two Face, and stuff like that. So it, you know, they do a nice job of interweaving it, but at the same time, if you're making that move that you're going to be on HBO Max. You gotta put some money into the show, right? To... But I think they will. I hope so. I and hope so. And I like I want because to they kind of made it all things. canon with Crisis. Because yeah. they took place. They were in Crisis Infinite Earth with Flash. Well, and I also think they need to because of what Disney Plus is doing. Sure. You know, like I think we haven't seen a Marvel show yet, right. Because of COVID, but like eventually that's gonna that's gonna pass, right? Um, or our our TV production will work around either way. What, right. Whatever we'll happens, right. it's going to change. Right. And I think episodic TV is the future for comic book adaptations. It agree. lends itself better to the source material. Mm-hmm. I think we will, I think we'll always see the blockbusters, but I think we will see fewer of them. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll see more like character based stuff done on those series and then they'll translate into the movies and and like i think they'll play together more i think you'll see the big team-ups in the movies right you know what i mean the big conclusions of the story arcs right here's this yeah and i think because disney plus exists and they've already set in motion like i'm going back to star wars i don't i think we see very few star wars movies moving forward i would agree but i think we'll see one or two star wars series every fucking year forever absolutely um and I wouldn't be surprised if Marvel gets in that place of it's like, instead of four movies a year, it's a movie a year, maybe right. two, and two or three miniseries. Right. And I think if you're DC and you're Warner Brothers and you have your own platform now and you want to get 15 bucks a month from people and you've got, you know, they're if they're willing to put that money into HBO shows, then why... This is the the extension of that, you know. Sure. Um, and I think with them doing that Gotham PD show and bringing over the stuff yeah. from the the DCU app, like I think uh, Swamp Thing. 
Is Swamp Thing going to... Well, Swamp Thing's on CW. Oh, that's right. It is on CW now. That's right. And I don't know if they'll end up getting a second season. But that's the thing. I think they made that choice because Swamp Thing, if they renew for a second season, they'll renew it for a CW second season at a lower oh, budget yeah. like the rest of that shit. And they'll that's just true. cut out the few curse words they use. Right, right. Um, whereas like Doom Patrol is super curse heavy and like has to be HBO Max. Right. Titans could become like with a proper budget could become a really badass like gritty show in yep. that world. Yep. And that's what DC's trying to do with all the all of its I mean, grittiness. And it, it, it is now, but like it could be much more I don't want to say violent, but you know, it's very dark and like in those flashback scenes when Dick Grayson's poisoned, you know, he has to all Sounds dumb saying it, but you know the evil in him comes out, and in uh-huh. his mind he kills Batman, and it's a pretty fucking cool scene. Batman's laying under rubble, and Dick Grayson just puts his foot on his throat and cracks his neck. It's pretty hardcore. Um, Yikes! And, you know, and this is the same, um, the same show that, you know, their original preview <laughs> was, was him saying was, fuck, was fuck Batman. Batman. So yeah, um, so they cuss up a lot in this one. Yeah, um, they have Hawk and Dove in in um, in this, and Hawk is alcoholic drug addict trying to recover but takes a lot of steps back here and there uh-huh um so it's very real you know what i mean it doesn't really it's not your typical super it's not it, i mean it's grittier than say arrow which right. at the time was pretty yeah dark. i mean they didn't cuss or anything because it's also also still cw but but for a comic book show it's pretty, pretty fucking dark, dark man. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely especially when you juxtapose it with the flash that was like really fun, but that's what it's supposed to be, for sure. You know what I mean? So, and Flash was a ten times better show, I would argue. I don't know. I still love me some Stephen Amell. I have no beef with Stephen Amell, <clears throat> and I have no beef with Arrow. Those, I think Arrow was a good show. Yeah, those first I, few seasons are some of my favorites. Right. My, yeah. my only issue with Arrow is just how I, you could tell when they jumped the shark. That's fair. Like the yeah. first few seasons were good. And then it immediately kind of shifted in tone. It was like, I I feel like they had to continue to go bigger bigger and badder. And it's like, you can't with that character. The problem I think um, Arrow ran into was, first, it doesn't get enough credit for kind of... Launching that universe. Kickstarting everything again, as far as that goes. You know what I mean? It really did. And then, you know, it took a couple more years for everything to kind of catch on. Uh It's become more pop culture-y. And then it was kind of ran its course. You know, right. it was five seasons in. And, exactly. And then next thing you know, they're throwing a shitload of money at it. So it's bigger production, bigger this. That's but fair. It, but it was just bigger. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it was the same stories. It was the same whatever. Now it just took place with the legends of tomorrow on a spaceship sometimes. Right. And, you know, shit like that got. That's very fair. Blown out of proportion. So. That's very fair. Um, but Stephen Amell as the Arrow. Whew. Uh, he's a hunk what i've him doing that salmon ladder yeah from what i've read it's looking like a, my a charlie burning, charlie but... hunnam might be the next arrow from sons of anarchy oh no shit which i can dig if he can do the act and a decent accent which i've heard him do pretty good american accents um i still love Stephen amell man speaking of him i read it i read an interesting thing he's, he's also trying to be a wrestler oh is he yes he has he's oh a few Stephen times. amell i thought yeah. you're saying charlie hunnam for oh no well i'd watch that too um completely off topic but i i uh I read an interview the other day that was funny, um, and Charlie Hunnam was in it. The only I can't believe that this is actually coming up out of having read it. Um, 
so did you ever watch Undeclared? Sure. Um, Not religiously, but yeah. Yeah. So it was fun yeah. once. The, I mean, had an Adam Sandler episode. Right. Yeah. Uh, but Charlie Hunnam was in. It was a Judd Apatow show that he did right after Freaks and Geeks. Right. And it had Jason Segel and Charlie Hunnam and like that Judd Apatow crew. I think Jay right. Baruchel was in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was. And it was basically what that whole crew did. Right. Seth Rogen was in it. It was what they all did right before they jumped to, to cinema. Right. So it's like early slash mid 2000s. Um, and Charlie Hunnam was a comedic. Like they were all college kids. And Charlie Hunnam was was a ladies man. Um, well, coming out of that, when Jason Siegel wrote Forgetting Sarah Marshall, mm-hmm. he wrote the Aldous Snow part for Charlie Hunnam. Oh no shit! And he called him up and like because it was Judd Apatow behind right. it was like getting the, getting the band back together. Um, and at the time, I can't remember if it was like the very beginning of Sons of Anarchy or Sons of Anarchy was about to launch. It was, but it was like okay. in that ballpark. Sure. And Charlie Hunnam was like, "I'm going a different direction with my career. I'm kind yeah. of out of comedy." And apparently, they like created a big rift in oh. that whole community. Oh, yeah. Um, but it fucking launched Russell Brand's career. Yeah. Um, sorry, you're not sorry. I'm not sure. But it's got, and, and in the interview, Charlie Hunnam was even like, and in watching that movie, um, I felt incredibly grateful that I passed on it because clearly the right person got the role. Yeah. If, because, if, if, because like that. He was not going to make that character that. Right. Yeah. He was like, like, and you could also tell that like Russell Brand's kind of a one trick pony because that launched his career. And that's all he does. That also immediately right. fell apart right. because it was like, he was awesome in that and he was awesome in Get Him to the Greek. Right. And then he did like ten other things that all sucked. Right. It's funny in that in that movie you can almost really see. I don't want to say the world because I think England still loves Russell Brand. America's mm-hmm. infatuation with him, you know, love it, love it, love it. And then at the end, even when Sarah Marshall's like bullshit, 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 like that's the way yeah. like America looks at him now. It's just the same noise. Yeah. Like Ricky Gervais almost. I mean, I, maybe not. Ricky Gervais is a little more complex and better joke. Absolutely. But yeah, Ricky Gervais is a better writer. He's a much better writer. Much better writer. Like, what anyone anyone can say whatever they think about Ricky Gervais' stand-up, and, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion about that, but there is no denying. That dude is a very good writer. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's And he's a very yeah. smart guy. Yeah. Yeah. His stand-up may not be your cup of tea. Right. I say that as someone whose stand-up's not my cup of tea. Right. I don't particularly care for his stand-up. I don't care for tea. But, do, yeah. I love tea. Yeah. Green tea. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Russell Brand is... Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But Forgetting Sarah Marshall is a fucking dynamite movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that fucking yeah. movie. Yeah. But it was funny that you brought up Charlie Hunnam because I was like, oh, I've actually I thought of Charlie that name Hunnam. recently. I, everybody thinks always, I mean, I do too, you know, Sons of Anarchy. He's fantastic in it. But um, Green Street Hooligans is still one of my yeah. favorite movies. And that's just, what a cool role. It's weird because I think Green Street and I think uh, Undeclared. Because I, I have never watched an episode of Sons of Anarchy. Really? Yeah. That's just not my it's not my jam. Like I didn't the, think it would be mine either, the, the but kind it, of... I dig it. I really do. I'm not a biker guy by any means. It doesn't, right. It's not my thing. Well, I, I, I think with any show that runs that long and has that kind of success, it, it, it is clearly telling a story that's bigger than just bikers. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I am certain that there's things in there for me. I mean, when you take a step back and look at just the cast, mm-hmm. Charlie Hunnam, Ron Perlman, Katie Seagal, Katie Seagal um, what the fuck's the Irish guy with the scar? You know, um, um, 
can't think of his name. He's been in everything. Um, Jesus Christ. He was in Braveheart. He was in, he's in everything. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I can't okay. think of his name. Um, uh, but the cast, and then they always had um, lots of random, you know, special appearances and cameos and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, continuing appearance type people. They did a great job casting that whole thing, man. It's yeah. a good, good show. I Well, it's a good show. <laughs> well, I 100% believe that. And, like, I, I would never... I, I'm not, like, avoiding Sons of Anarchy. Right. But it, it, it kind of comes down to Tommy me... Tommy Flanagan. Of, of like, Sorry. Okay. I can't think of his name. It comes down to me, again, of, like, there being so much good content and so much of it telling good, strong stories that, for me, it's, like... And especially, like, and I know I've probably said it to death and people will be sick of hearing, but with my kids at their age, I have less time oh, that I can love sit down. Anarchy. Right. I have less time that I can sit down and, like, watch TV. Right. Um, that, like, when I invest in something, it's, like, it's got to be telling a good story, but also the ancillary shit has got to be kind of in my wheelhouse, sure. too. Kind of sci-fi. Yeah. Kind of fantasy. Or something nostalgic from my youth in that ballpark mm-hmm. for me to glom onto it at this moment in my life. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so I know there's a lot of good shit that I miss out on because of that. And I also know that in 10 years, when my kids just want to. F- <laughs> it's really funny because I was about to say, because in 10 years, my kids will be 14. I want to be like, yeah, in 10 years, when my kids like want to go to the roller rink or the arcade or the movie theater, I'll be watching me. And I was like, Oh no, that's what I did at 14. Right. Um, uh, and, and 10 years when my kids want to ride their hoverboards yeah. to space ping pong. Right. Um, then I'll watch cool shows again. That's right. Uh, but like, I just, I just accept that I'm kind of at the place where I'm going to miss <clears throat> out on some cool shit. Because, again, because I'm going to watch Swamp Thing. Right. Because it's also going to tell a cool story, but it's also going to play with a character that I really like from my youth. Right. And it's going to involve sci-fi, fantasy, uh, fucking science shit that I'm into right. as well. Um, one last thing I want to end on. Okay. Or we want to end on. This might take us a while. No, nah, it probably won't take us a while. We're always talking reboots, and I shit on a lot of reboots here and there, whatever. Uh-huh. One reboot that was announced this week. Never saw it coming, but I'm going to go see the motherfucker, and you're going to make fun of me constantly. The Scorpion King is getting rebooted. The fuck they are. The Rock owns the rights. His movie produce, his studio is producing it, and he's going to cameo in it. The, the fuck The film out of that here. broke him to the world. The fuck out of here. It will take place in modern times. The direct-to-DVD fourth sequel of The Mummy starring Brendan Fraser. The original Scorpion is King. Is that what you're going to tell with me? With The Rock. I loved it. Of course you did, because you love The Rock. With a, The Rock with a ponytail. It, sure, but you're not going to tell me that was a good movie. You're going to tell me you loved it because you loved The Rock and it was cool to see him in a movie. I, I enjoyed that movie. And, and that's okay. That's, I, it's, okay. it's okay that, to no, love it because you love the actor, but that's why. I don't it's think it not is. a good fucking movie. It's a pretty man. good movie. It's fun. It, did you like the Mummy movies? No. Oh, well, then you wouldn't like this. I know. I didn't. I, I enjoyed them. I loved them. I, I say that as someone who's fucking seen them all. That's fair. I, I like the because, first two. Because yeah. I love Brendan Fraser. 
I am I am unapologetically a Brendan Fraser fan and cool. have been even when people were shitting on How him. How could you not be? So yeah. I watched the Mummy movies yeah. because I like that fucking actor. And when I still see him on TNT and I stop for a minute, it's because I fucking love Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and I think it's a goddamn travesty that he has been raked through the mud the way he has been. Because I genuinely love his work. I think he's great on Doom Patrol. Fuck yeah, he's awesome on Doom Patrol. Very funny. I I challenge anyone that shits on Brendan Fraser to watch the, it's either two or three episodes of Scrubs that he guested on. Um, Watch watch Encino Man, and how dare you shit on that. I'm saying. He says one thing, and it's Wheeze the Juice. And you love him for the entire right. I mean, it's, it's well, were, were you a Scrubs guy? Eh, here and there. So I love that. Was a little bit. I was like when I was raising a child, kind of time. Sure, so I didn't catch okay. a lot of it. Yeah, you're in that. Yeah. Well, I, I have some some Scrubs pops yeah. up there. I'm a huge, huge Scrubs fan. It is it is in my top five sitcoms, probably. Definitely top ten. Maybe top. Maybe even top three if I really ooh, push it. Ooh, okay. It could be that I love that show. Um. But uh, Dr. Cox, who's like the asshole mm-hmm. doctor all the time, uh, has this very tumultuous relationship with his wife, who was his ex-wife, and then they got married again. It was a whole thing. Uh, Brendan Fraser plays his wife, ex-wife, mm-hmm. Jordan's brother. Okay. Um, and he, like, pops in after their son is born. and Well, he so he pops in in an early, like a season before... Um, where he's diagnosed with cancer. Okay. Um, and then like a season later, pops back up around the time of their son's first birthday. Okay. Um, and he pops up and he's like a traveling photographer and shit. And he's Brendan Fraser. He's charming. He's funny. He's a total fucking gag the whole time. Like just like making jokes like crazy. And um, so the whole episode, and I'm going to say spoilers here if you haven't watched it. Um, but the moratorium has passed. This episode came out in like yes. 2003. Um, so this whole time it's gearing up. Like everyone's talking about um, the kid's first birthday. Okay. And, or at least it, you're seeing the whole episode from Dr. Cox's point of view. He's the, the narrative device mm-hmm. of this episode, which is one thing that I love about scrubs is they shift that from episode to episode. Okay. Like JD's the main character, but there's different storytellers of it. Right. But anyway, so this one is told from Dr. Cox's perspective. And so like he's gearing up for his son's first birthday and his fucking brother-in-law, who's also like his best buddy is around. They're fucking around and they're joking. And he's like giving each, and he's like giving him shit for doing, for trying out like this new experimental medicine, this like fucking, uh, you know, like Eastern religion, Mex- you know, like the right. type, the type, the type of shit, right. this type of medicine that especially in 2003 was like fucking voodoo or whatever. Right. Um, and then you get to the end where they're like walking up to the party and like the whole time, every person that, he, that Cox interacts with, he's a total asshole too. And they're like being extra, like it's just, you don't, you don't notice it until you go back and rewatch it because like, cause that's written so fucking well. Right. But then when he walks up to the birthday party, um, the camera turns and he's walking up 
to Brendan Fraser's tombstone. It's his funeral. He died of cancer. And the whole time he's interacting with like his mental image of that character. Um, And it is, I I've seen that episode probably 15 times in my life. And it still makes me cry. Like it is beautifully told. It is fucking gorgeous. It is um, uh, like this machismo character dealing with the loss and the pain of losing your best friend in a way that's told so powerfully that any human that has a best friend can relate to, you know, like you, the instant you watch it the second time, it's not Brendan Fraser, Perry Cox. It is you and your best friend. And it is, and it is everything about like, it is gorgeously written. And like, I challenge anybody that fucks with Brendan Fraser uh, that shits on Hulu. Go spend 22 and a half minutes. That's all you got to do. Watch that fucking episode. You got nothing else to do. I I, I will even, I'm going to look it up right now and tell you which season and which fucking episode to go watch. I remember it was right. It was the very beginning of, <clears throat> or maybe the beginning scrubs may have been around for a little while i can't remember exactly how long it's been out but i used to conf- confuse scrub uh yeah scrubs with um i used to i watched the shit out of it i still do adult swim you know, uh-huh love me robot chicken i loved moral oral and if you ever saw moral oral yeah it's a great show but there was also children's hospital oh that was way after scrubs was it though see I yes don't and i would i bet children's I hospital the shit out of that i bet children's talk- hospital launched in 2010 maybe maybe Scrubs launched in like 2002. Maybe, maybe. But so, but I would always, I can, like people would talk about Scrubs and I'd start talking like I knew mm, what I was talking about and I'm talking about Children's Hospital. So, uh, for those of you that are going to go spend your 22 and a half minutes on Hulu, season three, episode 14, it is titled My Screw Up. It was released uh, February 24th, 2004, and it is beautiful. And I challenge you, I challenge you to go watch that shit. The gauntlet. Because it's so fucking good. That's right. The gauntlet's been thrown down. Right. Challenge you. Brendan Fraser moments. It is 22 minutes. That's it. It's a, it's a, it's an old school fucking network sitcom. It's, it's like, I always feel weird when I recommend <clears throat> movies like that. Like I love, you know, Field of Dreams and stuff like that, you know, but mm-hmm. like, you're going to cry. Yeah. But it's a weird, like, you got to watch this. It's going to upset the fuck out of you. Right. <laughs> You'll never be the it's same. It's going to break your it's fucking gonna, heart. It's going to ruin your afternoon. Go watch this. It's right. the best. It's the best. But we do. And oh, it's, absolutely. It's part of, part of it, I guess. So. Like I said, that shit came out 16 years ago. Longer. And, I, and it haunts me still. Yeah. Because it is beautiful. But it doesn't haunt me in like a, it, it doesn't rip my heart out in like such a sadness because it really it's just beautifully told and i am just i am genuinely you know my friends who've been my friends for a lot of years would be the first people to make fun of me because i cry easy i just do i'm a soft guy i am it's the way it is yeah. but every group needs like, a softy good fucking storytelling absolutely touch it. like i am i am susceptible to that shit i am open you... to and like that you mushy artist. I am, dude. I am a. <laughs> I am soft as fuck. Um, but like that shit 
in a 22 minute sitcom that you will probably all watch and I'll, you know I'll, I'll get a bunch of like, like Twitter messages like that was this. a fucking fine episode right. you prick right but it is beautifully told it's all about time and place too yeah man so, uh, I got nothing else today man you yeah no I'm good all I'm right good. we're clear let's go have some fun bye thanks guys.